Hello, everybody. This is Parsha's Parsha Nitzavim. And the Parsha begins with Mike Shabbat addressing Klai Yisrael, saying, Atem Nitzavim Hayyim Kulchem, you're all standing here today. And Rashi explains that what Moshe Rabbeinu was coming to do is that in the end of last week's Parsha, after Moshe Rabbeinu told Klai Yisrael all the curses that could happen to them if they don't keep a terror, the whole Teichacha, Klai Yisrael was afraid they were shaken. So Moshe Rabbeinu told him, don't worry. You've many times have angered a Kodesh Baruch and yet you're still standing here today. Now, all the commentaries want to understand, what does Rashi mean? Is Moshe Rabbeinu kind of saying that, look, don't worry about it? Is he saying that these things aren't really going to happen? What's Moshe Rabbeinu saying to them? Don't worry, you've done this before, and you've gotten away with it. So I saw a shot from the dark Musser. He bases off a of Medrash. The Medrash comments, the Medrash on Chuma, this expansion, and it says that Moshe Rabbeinu tells Chalai, so Atem Nitzavim Hayyayim. You're standing here, Hayyayim. The word Yayim means day. It says the Medrash, just like a day, it waxes and it wanes. It gets light and it gets darker eventually. So too you, Klai Yisrael, says Moshe Rabbeinu, you're going to have your ups and your downs, you're going to have your light moments and your dark moments, God forbid, but you're always going to end up coming back to light, just like the day. How does Klai Yisrael have that promise? When does Klai Yisrael have that promise that they're always going to eventually come out on top? Kulchem, because you're here together as one, all of you. When Klai Yisrael is one group, when Klai Yisrael is Aguda Achas, says the Medrash, then Klai Yisrael is guaranteed that they'll continue. Because Klai Yisrael as a whole, as a unified bunch, they're given the promise of Akash Baruch that they'll always be there. Klai Yisrael itself as a group will never end. But there has to be that unity. When Klai Yisrael is together, says the Medrash, it's like a person has a reed. A person takes a reed and he can crack it. Two reeds he can crack, three reeds he can crack. But a person takes a bundle of reeds. Although each independent reed is weak, when he puts it together in a bundle, you can't crack it. So too, Klaizos as a Medrash, although each person may be lacking, but when you put Klaizos together as Kulchem, then you're guaranteed that you're going to be Nitzavim Ayyem, you're going to be standing here, just like the day eventually comes. And that's what Moshe is telling Klaizos. He's telling Klaizos that, yes, there are scary curses. Yes, there's a virus have consequences. But if Klaizos can make sure to stick together as Aguda Achas, as one Kulchem, then they can be guaranteed that they're going to get through it all. I saw a beautiful story. The rabbi's name, I believe, is Rdavid Fatia. He's apparently a very well-known Makubal from many, many years ago in the Sephardi world. And I saw the story goes that on Rosh Hashanah by night, he was sitting there at his big table, all his guests, and they were getting ready to bring in Rosh Hashanah, the new year, in a beautiful, spiritual way. And as they're sitting by the table right before the meal begins, one of the guests was a bit clutzy, and he knocks down the candelabra that's standing on the table. It's giving light to the whole room. And the whole thing goes flying, all the oil and the wicks, everything goes flying everywhere, and the room turns pitch black. And this rav, Fataya, he says, Oh, what a beautiful simon minashamayim that this year is going to be a great year. And sure enough, the room is dark, and meanwhile... His wife, the Rebbitzin's coming in from the kitchen with a big tray of fish and everything ready for the meal. And she comes into the dark room. She can't see anything. And sure enough, the floor is all covered in the oil from the wicks from the lamp. And she goes flying, slipping on the floor. All the fish goes flying into the air, lands everywhere. And she goes crashing down to the floor. And the Rebbe says, Oi, 
What a simon that this year is going to be a beautiful year. It's going to be a beautiful year. Akash Baruch is giving us a great simon. And he walks over to go help his rabbits and to pick her up and to help her get her from the floor. And sure enough, he goes flying down to the floor also. And as he lands on the floor, he says again, Ah, what a simon. It's going to be a beautiful year. And sure enough, he testified that that year he ended up having so much shahat of the Shmaya. He was machadish, a lot of kedushim, wrote a lot of svarim that year. It really was a special year. And he explained that the reason why it was such a special year because if he was able to control himself and to not make that guest feel bad and make him feel hard, was able to worry about another yid and to unify the rest of Klai Yisrael, Baruch Hu was able to look down on him and give him all the brachas and all the schism that he needs. And that's the best simon and the best investment we can make going forward into the new year. Later in the parasha, Pasuk Yitches, the Torah tells us about one fellow who HaKash Baruch says, Hashem HaKash Baruch Hu is not willing to forgive such a person. And what's striking is that the person mentioned in the Pasuk isn't a guy who necessarily did something so terrible. The Torah doesn't say what sin he did. All the Torah tells us is He's a guy who says, He goes and says in his heart, I'm going to be fine. Because I go in the way that my heart sees fit. And the Balai Musar point out from here that the Torah is telling us a very important thing. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, his midas harachamim, is extreme. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is willing to work with a person and work with a person and forgive and let a person come back, let a person mess up almost to the nth degree. However, there's one fundamental thing a person has to decide. Am I here to do HaKadosh Baruch Hu's will and I'm going to struggle with my Yitzhahara and keep fighting? Or do I not care? Am I not part of the program? The guy in this parasha who Hashem says, I can't forgive him, it's not how bad he sinned, it's not how many times he sinned, it's his attitude. When a person says, I do what I want, God doesn't tell me what to do, so he's not part of the program. Hashem says, until you get rid of that attitude, until the person's willing to go and understand and recognize that ultimately, he has to be working and trying to do what Hashem wants, there's no room for tshuva. They say, there, Victor Miller once, had a person in his building, who was an older person and not a religious person, and the person was, was dying, it was in, you know, in, in his last moments, and he sent someone out to Victor Miller, he wanted him to kind of, you know, help him maybe prepare himself for the world to come. Apparently, this guy, in his last moments, he kind of had some thoughts of tshuva. And Rebecca Miller told him that this is the one thing he has to accept upon himself. Is, are you willing to accept upon yourself that I want to do what Hashem wants? I want to keep our in Hashem. And that's really where everything grows from. Once a person can honestly tell himself that I might be struggling, it might be hard, it might be challenging, but ultimately, I want to do what Hashem wants, from then on, there's tshuva, from then on, there's everything else. But before a person does that, he's not really in the program of the parsha. Towards the end of the parsha, in Paraklamah Pasuk Yates, the Pasuk says that Kashbarku tells Klai so, Bacharta Bachayim, you should choose life, Lemantichia, so that you should live Atta you and your offspring. And Josh Marsha points out that what does that mean, choose life for you and your offspring? It explains as follows. It says that you can have a person who, a person's faced with a struggle to do the right thing, to do the wrong thing, to do a mitzvah or to give in to the temptations to do an aver. And a person can actually choose to overpower his temptation. A person can choose to overcome his struggle. But 
The issue is that sometimes his children, when they're faced with that same temptation, they'll also struggle, and they might not have the ability to overcome that struggle. The power of the struggle might be too much for them. The way to ensure that a person's choice to do the right thing continues on and on for generations is if he chooses it not just by overpowering the struggle, but choosing it because he recognizes that this is what life is about. When a person can choose to do the mitzvah because he recognizes and he appreciates that ultimately, this is the most amazing thing for me. This is what gives me life. This is what gives me fulfillment. When a person does mitzvahs and does things, not simply because of the guilt and because he's kind of afraid of the punishment, but he actually realizes that the mitzvahs are going to give him life then he can be guaranteed that your children will follow on your ways because they'll see and they'll appreciate how enjoyable the mitzvahs are, how enjoyable it is to do the right thing, and they'll want to do it. They won't even have the struggle that you have going forward. Ramesh got this idea from the fact that when he came to America, there was a lot of people who unfortunately, although they were Meister Nefesh to keep Shabbos, but their own children didn't keep Shabbos. Their own children fell into the struggle of not keeping Shabbos in the workplace. And Umayyasha spoke to them and he recognized that there was a trend. That the people who came home and said, and they lost their job because they quit their job on Friday because they wanted to keep Shabbos. They said, it's hard to be a Yid. Their children didn't see the beauty of Shabbos. They just saw Shabbos as a very, very difficult thing. It was specifically the people who came home and despite having lost their job, we're able to sell the children, it's worth it. I'm so excited because I get to keep Shabbos. Those people, the ones who are able to implant in their children and the future generations, this ability to recognize that this is what life's about. This is the thing that's worth it. And their children were like to also keep that going and to continue on for generations. Just end off with one nice piece I saw in Sefer Ali Shore about Rosh Hashanah. The Gemara tells us that on Rosh Hashanah, each person is judged and the question is, what does that mean? So the Gemara gives three different interpretations. What is B'nai Morayin? The Gemara says the first interpretation is that B'nai Morayin is like sheep. When a person has his sheep, he's counting them for mice, or he brings out, you know, he picks up, puts them in a corral, and lets each sheep come out one by one, and he marks off a tenth one for mice. So the same way the sheep go one by one, a person is judged, each person is judged individually. The second explanation the Gemara gives B'nai Morayin is a place in Eretz is a, a village or a city that was on top of a mountain, and the only way to get there was by a very narrow mountain pass, which only one person could fit. You'd have to go single file on this mountain pass. That's B'nai Marayin. Third interpretation the Gemara says is B'nai Marayin is the soldiers of David Amalek. David Amalek is called Marayin, it's the language of king, and his soldiers, when they go out to war, they count them one by one. Now, and who sees this Gemara is bothered by the obvious question, what exactly is this idea? There's three seemingly, three seemingly very similar ideas here. The idea is that they're counted one by one. What's unique about each different interpretation? Is it one by one, by one like sheep, like people on a mountain pass, or like soldiers? So Wolf explains as follows. First of all, we have to understand what the Gemara is telling us. What is this idea of being counted individually? And he explains that a lot of times in life, when a person, you ask them, why, why'd you do what you did? The person will say, I don't know, I just did it. They say, yeah, but, but, but why'd you do it? And the person will stop and think, you know, I just did it because everyone else is doing it. And our Shoshana, Baruch Hu, takes us into a courtroom, and he judges each person individually. And he tells the person, I want you to think 
and understand and recognize who you are by yourself and why do you do what you do? What are you here to accomplish? Rosh Hashanah is the day of judgment because it's the day that man was created. Every person is created anew, so to speak. Every person is given his new allotment on this year for the coming year. And Rosh Hashanah is about recognizing you by yourself. What's your goal? Why are you here? What are your strengths? What can you accomplish? It's all about you by yourself in a vacuum. Nobody else is involved. It's just you. Because Rosh Hashanah isn't a B'nai Marain in the sense that each person is being judged for who they are and what they are about. But then there's another aspect. We know the Gemara tells us further in Rosh Hashanah, the Gemara says that although each person is judged separately, Kulon Besikra Achas, they're all judged at one glance. As Akash Baruch loves them back together, so to speak, and judges them all at one glance. And the Gemara tells us in other places that whenever Klaiso comes to do tshuva, whenever there's a tainus, whenever there's a fast day, we always have to make sure to bring even the sinners into the fast day. It can never just be a part of Klaiso. It always has to be Klaiso as a whole. Because, says Revolvi, although every person has his individual role in Klaiso, every person has his unique things that he has to bring out and his unique mission, but there's a unified whole of Klaiisrael which gives life to every individual. Like a tree that has leaves. Every leaf is its own leaf. Every leaf does its own thing. But the second you remove it from the tree, it loses its life source. Every individual in Klaiisrael, although he's an individual, he's only as good as he can attach himself to the root, to that trunk, to that group called Klaiisrael. So on Rosh Hashanah, there's two parts. There's the individual and then how he takes his individuality and he uses it for the cloud. Knowing your strengths, knowing who you are as a person and why you, why you do what you do and what you're looking to achieve, it doesn't have to be just to use it for yourself. In fact, it's supposed to be used for the cloud because if I recognize that only I can do this and only I am the one who can make this happen for the cloud, it makes me a much better person working for the cloud. And that's what Rosh Hashanah is going to be about. It's going to be these two aspects, the person as an individual, and then his group, as part himself as part of the group, and how he interacts with the rest of the group. So that's Gershenfeld, that's the idea in the three levels in the Gemara. Sheep, by definition, don't think individually, they follow the herd. Even if you take them out, each one by itself, but ultimately they're still sheep. So then you have a person, the next level, the people on the mountain pass. The person himself starts to think individually. He has to figure out how he's going to go up the mountain pass. Each guy is going to figure out exactly his own way, which rocks he's going to step over, which ones he's going to go around. And then, though, there's the highest level. After the person recognizes individuality, he can become like a soldier. A soldier, he's individual. He recognizes only he can do certain things. Each unit has its sniper, its guy who, you know, who diffuses the mines. Each guy does his own job, but ultimately they work as a unit. But they work as a unit by knowing their own individual strengths and their own individual mission. And that is what we should be working on, says Revolving. When we're going into Rosh Hashanah, is we have to take the time, the few moments that we have before Rosh Hashanah still, to stop and recognize, okay, I'm going in, I'm asking Akash Baruch for all the gifts and all the blessings. I want another chance. What am I supposed to be doing? What's my goal? What am I doing? Why do I do it? What do I want to accomplish? And now, now that I know that, now that I recognize who I am, how am I going to use that to make Klai as a whole better? And how is Klai going to be benefiting from that? Because says the Rosh when a person takes himself out of just himself, he takes all his strength and uses it for the Klai, that's an incredible, incredible merit.
Rosh Hashanah, because HaKadosh Baruch Hu will give you so much more than just for yourself, because it's not just for you, you're using it for everybody else. So that's going to be, hopefully, in the Schus, that will give us the Gzaradin that we want. Rosh Hashanah, 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 Rosh Hashanah,